hello and welcome to a special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. I'm Amy McDonald, yoga student, teacher, and yoga business coach. In this special episode, I'm taking you inside the Business of Yoga speaker series where you'll meet yoga teachers, experts, and entrepreneurs from all over the world. I'm not kidding. We're going to Melbourne, Singapore, London, Barcelona, San Francisco, New York, and more talking all things growing your yoga business. I hope you love learning from my guests as much as I enjoyed interviewing them. And if you do, please leave a review for this podcast. Enjoy. Hey everyone, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome to the Business of Yoga speaker series number six. I'm excited today to be back in uh, San Francisco today with Sarah Ezrin. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, all. We've just been, we've, we're going to have such a great conversation uh, for, with you guys today. Sarah and I have just been having a little bit of a chat before we got going for you. And um, I'm really excited about this topic because I think it's something that I see come up with my clients a lot about as, as being a, um, a business owner who is, is, has created a business from a passion and something that we believe in so fully that can get really connected into how we um, judge ourselves and how we feel about ourselves and this correlation yeah. between self-worth and success in business, which, which is sort of complicated. And I'm, I'm really excited, Sarah, to have this conversation with you. I think it's going to be really helpful for our viewers. But before we jump into it, I want to introduce you formally to everybody, um, particularly for folks who may not have had the very good fortune to meet you yet. So folks, I'm going to read out Sarah's bio for you. Sarah Esmond is a motivator, writer, yoga teacher, and teacher trainer. Her love of life is infectious. <laughs> for Sarah, yoga is beyond the postures. Uh, it is a guide for living. I love that. Bringing a background of psychology and life coaching. Yes, sister. She uses yoga to connect people to their brightest, most authentic self. She's based in San Francisco, where she lives with her husband and her fur baby. Sarah leads trainings, workshops, and retreats at home and across the globe. Her fun and popular classes are infused with humor and positivity. Sarah is changing the world, teaching self-love one person at a time. And we're going to share with you later all of the great places that you can follow her for the next time that she has something super delicious for you to sign up for. I am really liking your style, your positivity, and your commitment to what yoga looks like beyond yoga asana. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's quite, yeah, it's important, right? Because I think we get so caught up in the physical poses and, you know, the right outfits and, and all of the external measures, and, and we lose sight of what yoga really is about, which is that deeper connection to ourselves. So any way that I can help people get to that or, you know, learn that or reconnect to that, then I've done my job. Can I throw you a curveball, which has got nothing yeah. to do with the things that, you said <laughs> that we would like to talk about? Because <laughs> I'm just wondering about, um, I totally agree with you on that point. And then I think there's also something about, um, I don't know, like, like role creep in the sense of, particularly for new because you do yoga teacher training so for new yeah. teachers maybe they've just completed a 200 hour you have a background in psychology and life coaching but for a new teacher there there is this thing about what is my um what are the confines of what i am actually trained in to deliver at what point do i do i okay i've been trained to teach yoga asana have I been trained to talk about the bigger picture here? I think it's an interesting 
at what point do yoga teachers kind of go into sort of pop psychology and at what point do we need to say hang on a second I need to refer you to someone who actually has these skills because they're out of scope for what I'm trained to do I think this is an interesting space Oh yeah, this is a very interesting space. And I actually, I, I, I am blessed to be able to teach teacher-student relationship for the advanced training at Yoga Works. And I, oh. so I teach both. I teach the 200 hour, which is the foundational training. Yes. Then I also teach the advanced training. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so I definitely think that it can get dangerous when we go in and we try to teach things that we haven't been through ourselves or you know, trying to teach these greater lessons of what we think yoga should be because that's what the texts say or that's what the latest Instagram quote that someone put up says. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, if, if we really think about that these poses are the method to still the mind, to discover who we truly are, then when you're taking the training and it's training dependent, right? Yep. If we can remember and remind our students of that within the training itself, yep. then they're armed to be able to teach that even at the most, you know, beginning level. Because, you know, is it really about warrior two or is it about teaching somebody to get still enough and to be in the moment enough to know what's happening in the present, to be in their body? Yeah. And then the rest of it really, I think, is up to the student to have that realization that, you know, our job as teachers, because I think that that's what can be overwhelming for people when they first come out of training. It's like, how am I going to teach people to find themselves? Well, that's not your job, yes. right? That's not our job. But what we can do is we can come in and we can be a mirror and we can teach them through asana and through you know, alignment-based yoga, if that's your thing, or, you know, other people are more into bhakti and kirtan and, you know, whatever the method may be, whatever your style is using those tools so that the person themselves, the practitioner, has the stillness and the space to then be like, aha, I am not that thing. So, you know, and I, I do think it's a dangerous game where people get out of training and they feel like they have to fit the role. You know, they have to buy the right mala beads and they have to say the right things. And ultimately, that's not what we're here to do. We are, we are literally here to help people, to, to create a space for people to realize their own true self. Right. And I don't think that that's us handholding them and taking them down the path of like, and then what happened? What did your mother do to you? You know, because I think that can be <laughs> dangerous, really dangerous. And if you don't know what you're unpacking, you know, then you can't help them put it, put, put it away mm -hmm. neatly again after that. Yeah. 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 But what you can do is you can create a space that's loving, that reminds them that, okay, you know, triangle was challenging today, but you know, remember, like, this is not about the shape. What was underneath for you? What were you realizing under that? And I feel like, can't we, I, that's like a good friend, right? I mean, and again, yeah. not definitely yeah. want to be very clear, yoga teachers and uh, students not are not friends. <laughs> very clear about that as I say that. But I just mean as like another loving human being to another, like to provide that mirror. I think that, you know, if you're well-trained, then you can do that. That's just, that's, that's compassion and empathy. I'm so glad I asked that random question. <laughs> so what, can, can I, because this is super potent stuff and I, I'm really grateful for your wisdom on this. I, I'd like, could we dig a little bit more at that, um, uh, the boundary between um, being warm and inviting with your students and actual friendship? Because I know I've had clients who say, when I ask them about, you know, the boundaries, particularly about like time and they, for a lot of for freelancers in particular who rent their own space, like they'll stay yeah. back after class like an hour just because they feel like they need to chat with people because people want that 
or they yeah. go out for tea after class because that's what everybody yeah. does on Saturday. And all of this kind of weird, murky, they're your students, not your friends stuff. Yeah. What do you, how do you teach, teach on this in your advanced training? Well, I, first of all, I think it's culture specific. So, okay. you know, because I know that a lot of, a lot of your clients are around the world and, you know, I've taught trainings all around the world. And for example, in the Middle East, it is common to, to have tea afterwards and to spend time. Yes. You know, that hospitality is kind of infused within the culture. Yes. Where in America and, you know, some of the more, you know, the Western um, cultures, it's a little bit kind of on the go. You can get in and out in a different way. Yes. So I do think it's, it's culture specific. Um, I definitely think it's harder when you have your own space to be able to be like, okay, got to go. You know, it's, it's time. But I think this comes down to, you know, what is the difference between a student and a friend? And if we really think about it, you know, as uncomfortable as it makes teachers feel, we are in a role of authority. Now, this doesn't mean that we are, you know, the, like, the leaders and the end-all and the be-all, but people are coming to learn from us. And there is a separation there. Mm -hmm. um, also, it's not a give and a take kind of a relationship. Our students are taking from us, they're learning from us. Mm -hmm. And yes, again, you know, you one could argue that, you know, you, but you gain as well and you're fulfilled. But unlike a friendship where there is a clear give and take, where the, it's, it's on even ground there, yes. do you know what I mean? Like totally. they're, you know, it's like, and I, I feel like with, with the teacher student, it's like people are paying you for your service. You are giving to them. And therefore there needs to be a clear line because the minute that that person starts to creep into friend boundary, then it, it's like, and again, not to say you can't ever become friends with your students, but once they, once you do, are they still your student in the same way? Because, in, and you see this power differential a lot, you know, and especially it, it sometimes happens in romantic relationships too, when people are then attracted to their students and then they go on to try to have a romantic relationship with their student that, you know, I had a, a gal, she was a teacher for a long time. Her, her now husband was a student of hers. She said, you need to stop coming to my class. You yeah. can come back in a year, and he, <laughs> which he did. He, he stopped coming for a year. He came back a year later and said, will you go out with me now? She said, yes. They started a relationship and she said that it still comes up in their relationship somehow. Yeah. And, you know, I think in every normal relationship, it is constantly, you know, oh. there's certain things, you know, and especially as teachers, I know, you know, like we tend to be a little bossy. So they're just, <laughs> What are you talking about? But I know who, me? <laughs> but, you know, I think when it comes down to it and we're really looking at, you know, how finding friends outside of the studio so you're fulfilled on your own and even though you may love 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 these people that when you, if you really want to form a friendship with someone outside then just know that it's going to shift the dynamic and that that role of teacher student has changed and and yes you can be friends and they can still come to your class but to have that clean line you know I don't, yeah, it's a, it's a very, we could talk about this for, for 11 podcasts, you know, oh could we go on and on about it, but it, it's really important stuff. And it, and, and I think sometimes it sneaks up on you, particularly because yeah. people really want to, like they're caring, you know, we don't become yoga teachers because we're assholes. We care about people yeah. and we want to support people. And so, and that warmth is magnetic for people. Yeah. The, the difference. Yeah, and you you asked a question which I didn't touch on yet was like, how are you both warm, but also how do you keep boundaries? Mm. Um, so you know, another thing that's really interesting is like this idea of physical touch, because mm. you know, I've always been a hugger, 
but I do think like, again, that, that, that like you have to be careful with, with who you're hugging, right? Like it's like that it can be misconstrued sometimes. And I don't just mean in a romantic setting. I just mean, you know, that, you know, similarly, or like giving away your phone number for people versus giving an email that there's just certain things like you can still be very warm and loving. You can give a brief hug, but you know, these long hug holds or, you know, going deeper into someone's personal stuff when really you are there to teach asana and, and to hold a space for them. Yeah. You know, those are ways that you can still be lovely, right? And you can still be really warm and you can still know people's names and you can still ask them how they are. Yeah. But when they start telling you about, you know, this fight with their husband, instead of just nodding, smiling, being like, I'm sorry and moving on, if you start to dig deeper into it, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're losing that boundary and, and that, that clarity there. And then, you know, it just, it, you could end up becoming a dumping ground for that. Yes, which which I think for people who might have that tendency to people for people pleasing, which can be sort yes. of a misalignment of warmth and friendliness. All of us yoga teachers, right? I think we're all attracted to this for a reason. <laughs> I'm kind of glad you said that. Yes, yeah. I agree. Um, it, it can be hard to unwind it if you've got yourself yeah. and you've found that. Oh, now I'm having if you've not too far about her divorce, and I'm here with her. And how do you get out of that next week yeah. when she shows up and wants that same level of support? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a private client, you know, and I, I love her dearly, but it, our sessions ended up turning into therapy where literally for the hour, it would just be her kvetching and, and I wanted to be there. And, and it's the same thing. Like it just, it got to the point where that became our relationship. And, and I, you know, I, I don't have the training, like you yeah. said, to be able yeah. to hold space in the way that she needed. Of course I can be a, an ear for her, but again, it's either, she needs either a therapist in that that situation or a good friend. Um, mm. But if, you know, I probably, what I tried to do is I'd get her back to the poses, like, like, well, you know, let's, let's find some stillness in this shape. Let's find some grounding here. Let's give her confidence in a different way. Mm. And, and that's kind of how you can start to reel it back, you know, when they sit on the mat and then start going into, yes. into their history. And again, like, you know, it's not like someone comes in, you know, or, or like someone has a death recently and you know of it, you know, to give them the initial hug, but then leave it at that. Like you don't need details on, you know, what's going on or, you know, and I, I think you can ask how people are without opening up the gate of, you know, let's go get coffee afterwards. Come yeah. to my house. Here's my yeah. phone number. Call me anytime. Okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. But I think there's still the phone number. Yeah. I, I remember having a private client once and um, she, I live in a small town. She has a, she's a doctor. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, and, and she came to my class and um, private and she started crying and I handed her the tissues and she just kept sobbing. And I remember I actually said to her, you've come here for private yoga. Would you prefer to just have this space to like cry? And she said, yes, because hmm. there was nowhere else where she could do that. Yeah. And she felt yeah. that I had a level of confidentiality in my position of power in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's different between, okay, well, we've, I've got your consent for us to simply make this about that instead of about yep. yoga, but I'm not going in to say, so what's coming up for you? And exactly. Where are you coming from? And I'm just handing the Kleenex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
That's yeah, and I think what you said, it's like you you are providing the space, right? We always yeah. we use this a lot and, and yoga teachers and yogis and like I remember having to teach my husband what this means because <laughs> I don't know if like people that are not in the yoga community know, like holding space. Holding space is like simply being with somebody in their experience. And then in that way, again, in our own stillness, that's what then helps to reflect back to them what they need oh, to do and what they yeah. need to work on. Yeah. So I think that's what you were doing with her in, in those moments. And I, I do think that there is room for that. But it's like you said, it's like when we start digging deep into like yeah. the why. And you, you know, as healers and light workers, we want to help. But you know, are we really being helpful again, like I said in the very beginning, and when we're starting to like unearth all this stuff with questions that we don't know how to like help them pack and put away again. Yeah. yeah. So just a simple, I think a simple, how are you? A hug and an acknowledgement. And then, you know, let's get into the asana. Yeah. I learned hugging from yoga because we, you know, I live in a big continent where there's a lot, we have big personal space here in Australia. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> remember the being with my teacher, Noel Maze, and he would just stand so close to me, like, like just there. And just like, and it took a lot of time. It took, took my journey through Anusara to actually embrace embracing. Now I'm a hugger, but yeah. thanks yoga. That's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, anyway, we, we won't go into all of the even the details of <laughs> like that. okay so then there's this kind of hug and then this but, and, and, the, and as the and the rise of trauma sensitive language and teaching oh you know, that sort of yeah. stuff it's i mean awareness. yes uh, yeah anyway so folks what you don't know is when we have the very good fortune here at amy mcdonald hq of um connecting with teachers all over the world to do these talks for you guys they actually send in a whole bunch of points about the things that they would like to talk about and i haven't actually covered any of sarah's yet so i'm going to rein it in and make this me more about her because actually for the record i loved everything we've been talking about so it's like there's there's no subject that is untouchable i'm like i'm so happy to go down that road so but thank you I think when we have an opportunity to learn from somebody who has this level of wisdom on these complex um, elements of being a yoga teacher, it's really, it's really a blessing to, to share them. So thank you for that. And I'm going to bring it back on track. Thank, to... thank you. So, because I know that some of the work that, that you're teaching on is really about um, uh, looking at, with some objectivity, looking at how are we defining who we are, how are we defining our own value? And one thing that I think is really going to be pertinent for our audience here today is m- mixing up what success and self-worth are and what, how good we are in business and how successful we are and what we look like on Instagram and how we feel about ourselves on a deeper level. Yeah. Oh, girl. I mean, I think it goes back to the, we, I can't remember if we said it when the camera was rolling or not, but we were talking about, you know, when something is your passion and then it becomes your career. Yes. And how, how easily blurred the lines become. So I think this whole talk yes. has become about boundaries in general. <laughs> <laughs> my life's work, you know, so this is my karma. I'm still, you know, and, and particularly when it comes to business and life, like who is Sarah without these identities? And it's really been coming up for me recently because I shared with you, you know, we're trying to have a baby and not to say that that's going to pull me away from Sarah as a yoga teacher, but I, you know, even before I met my husband, 
I had this plan where like yoga teaching was going to be my life and I was going to travel the world and, you know, be successful, whatever that means, you know, and, and I, I was very lucky to have that experience for a couple of years, but ultimately, as we know, with any external gains, it's, it's always empty, right? And it didn't matter, you know, how many amazing places I got to see in the world. If you're just going back to a, you know, studio apartment and in a studio, like an actual yoga studio where you're not even getting to see these cities and you're by yourself all the time, then is is it, what's, who's it all for at the end of the day? And so I I had a very eye opening um, moment in my life, which brought my husband in and then ultimately moved me from Los Angeles where I grew up and where I taught for almost a decade and brought me to San Francisco. And as I've become this kind of like Sarah as a wife, it's it's allowing me to extricate myself from just defining myself as Sarah as the teacher. Super interesting. And it's been a very, very hard daily, you know, there's a grief around it too, because you you hang on to your career because it's something tangible. It feels like you can control it. It's a lie. You can't control anything. But break it down as much as we think we can. <laughs> and and stepping into like who are we without all of these external measures and you know what so you know what if i don't get students looking at me every day and saying great class you know am i still a good yoga teacher and you know so what if i don't get you know my article doesn't get published like am i still a good writer and what if i could never teach yoga again and could never write again you know god forbid if something happens not knocking on wood then who am i underneath those things and so it, it's it, this, this period of my life has really created a big opportunity for me to start to unearth those things. Wow. And in the process, it's making me appreciate what I do a thousand times more because now I can still be me and still do what I love and have that separate work. I'm working on that separation and it makes me appreciate when I'm in that role more but also not getting so caught up in the roller coaster of just the career as my measure, you know. I've I've never had I've never been at the um, type of yoga teacher that you are like, with that level of exposure and um, you know on the circuit and being published and um, maybe maybe my next my, my next time round I'll try that. I would love to next time round, but I imagine that it is. I mean because. I don't like to use this word really, but I imagine it is fairly competitive. There is a limited number of places on the international festival circuit. There are a limited number of articles that are going to get published in yoga journal, whatever. Um, Like it's, I imagine it would be, I don't know, like does it, I would imagine that at times it would almost feel a little precarious because, because there's a finite amount of exposure and yet there are, always more people that are good at teaching and look good and are prepared to hustle and go for it, that it ever feels restful to be in that space? Well, first of all, I want to reflect back to you how incredibly successful you are and, and, you know, the work that you do, Amy, and, and helping others find their passion and to be confident in who they are, like, you know, that's really making a difference in this world. So, you know, have, come to San Francisco and teach a workshop and there, we'll get that checked off. <laughs> I'm happy to get that set up for you. I, I think all of it is, is precarious, you know, and yeah. it is it's this constant grind, man. And, you know, I, there is definitely, it, it feels very precious because it is. And like, you know, a new teacher is going to come up any minute and 
take your spot and it's exhausting. So suddenly you start doing everything out of fear and you're not, you're not saying yes to things out of passion anymore. And I, what I, and that was kind of a big indicator for me. And I I was telling you before we started that this year I've chosen to put a lot of my, my external, um, you know, my um, outside businesses, like my retreats, my workshops on hold while we're making space for this baby. And it's terrifying for me because the minute I don't lead a retreat, I see, you know, all my friends are leading their retreats and it's like, well, is anyone ever going to come on one of mine again? So you have that fear is very real. Um, you know, the competitiveness in general of just, you know, all these different retreats going on at the same time. And, you know, what I've really tried to do over the years, and I, I, I like, I always feel like if I can support other people, then I feel, you know, it just opens it up. Like if I, my good friend had a retreat that was literally the week before mine. And it's like, so my week doesn't work, send people to hers, you know, um, they're like, they don't want to come to Italy with me, then go to Hawaii with my friend Hillary. And, you know, if, if I think that's one way to help mitigate the competition, because if you're constantly looking over your shoulder and, and you're in total fear and you're holding on to everything, then you, your hands aren't open, your energy's not open to receive. Yes. So it's definitely a real struggle. And, you know, it's like anything, anything can be taken away in a moment's notice. You know, um, any of us that have ever had loss and, and grief in our life know that. So it, it is a very real possibility and there, it is a highly competitive, um, you know, circuit to be on, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you can lose yourself to that competition and you can be in total fear and, you know, go, and again, this is like, I'm still working on this. I'm by no means have I gotten past most of this, but you know, you can spend hours a day going Instagram and counting how many people have on their retreats. Or you can just be, you know, so glad that you have your 10 people signed up and that you're going on this trip to a place that you're so excited to go to and it's paid for, you know, Um, instead of, you know, you see all these people are like, I sold out my retreat. I had 40 people. And, you know, suddenly you start to go into comparison and, and then it makes it really challenging. So, you know, yes, I think there is a lot. It can be very competitive out there in, in any of, you know, the industry. If you want to look at it like that, there's a lot of us out there. But you have to trust that there's many paths up the mountain. Support your friends along the way, man. Reach out to hold their hand to bring them up. And, you know, when you need a break, like I'm in right now, you can just take a seat and enjoy the view for where you are. I love that. And I also, I'm also really grateful that you talked about one of the ways to slice through the fear of missing out is to support each other. I recently had a conference call with four other women who do exactly the same thing as me. And we just got on a video conference together and talked and shared and it was awesome. And it just like shed any fear of what if this doesn't work or there's not enough people for me gone. And now I feel connected and excited and that's yeah. what you're, you know, it, like saying about your friend and telling people to go to her retreat instead of yours. It just slices through all of that, a like collaboration instead of competition. And all we, we're always stronger together, right? Yes. So like, and you're learning from each other and you're inspiring each other. Yes. I mean, it's kind of like, like, okay, I'm not a runner, so I'm, I'm probably going to botch this completely, <laughs> but I, I believe. So I've heard in, you know, in theory that when you're running and you're, you're trying to get better, you, you try to run with someone that's a little bit better than you. So they, they inspire you to run a little faster. And again, you're not racing them to get to the end before them. You're just letting that be an inspiration for you to, to take it to the next level, to level up. 
Yeah. And I think that's, that's really powerful. I told you, I work with Athleta. I'm a brand ambassador and we do a lot of gatherings, of all the women coming together. And we, you know, just anytime we're together, it is like fireworks, you know, because we're, we're lighting each other's light and we're, you know, we're fanning the flames for all of us to, to be our best. And it's a really, really beautiful thing. And, and then collaborations come out of it and partnerships and sisterhoods, and you have no idea what's coming out of it. But it's always better when we can share and, and do it together. I totally agree. And yeah. God knows the world needs more yoga right now. So if we can help yeah. more people oh, come man. in, then. Yeah, love, love and yoga. Right. You said something earlier about um, saying yes to things when maybe you would have said no otherwise. And, and, yeah. um, and I think that, that doesn't matter. You could be brand new. You could have been 20 years teaching in church halls. You could, you know, whatever that I think that's a re- reality for a lot of teachers that they're particularly when it comes to money that it, um, I need to take every opportunity to scratch together my sort of acorns because what if I miss out and then the, you end up doing either teaching things that aren't your passion or your skill set or getting into situations crappy uh, business partnerships with other people or where you're being undervalued I'm wondering about this the sort of the fear of missing out piece where you say yes to things when perhaps actually it should have been a no. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you're asking this question. Um, so, you know, when people are first graduating from the trainings, I do encourage them to say yes to everything, yeah, or at least sure. I used to. I used to say, say yes to everything, no matter what. And then now, you know, 12 years later, I'm very burnt out. I'm like, hmm, like how can <laughs> can we, you know, is there, is there a limit? Is there a re, is there something that we can set for ourselves, some kind of a boundary that, you know, we can determine, all right, maybe we don't do this for so long. I think in the very, very, very beginning, it is okay to say yes to everything because you have no idea. You have no idea what your style is or what time of day is best for you. When I first started teaching, I never thought I would be a morning person ever. You know, I was like, I would sleep till 10 and go to bed at like one in the morning. And now I'm like, I couldn't imagine that. I'm like, it's not eight o'clock. I love at six every day. And that's because I ended up having a private client. For some reason, I kept getting these clients that really wanted to do super early morning. And it changed my life. I dropped oh. any 7.30 class I had because I, you know, now I know I do best before, you know, it's like I, I have like two hours that I can teach where I thrive, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And like, we're good, you know. But you, the only way I knew that is because I was trying to also teach in the evening and you, you have to really throw a bunch of stuff against the wall to see what's going to mm-hmm. stick. Same thing with different styles. I mean, obviously you're trained in a particular style, so you're not going to like take a vinyasa training and then go and teach Kundalini, but you know, levels, let's say, right? Like yep. you could, you're like, I want to teach advanced students and then you start teaching beginners and you're like, okay, this is, this is good for me. Yeah. But I think that there needs to be a limit on how long you're going to do that for. Like, could that be just the first two years of teaching? I think that's reasonable. I think you can say yes to everything, but put a limit on the amount of classes you teach in a day. So Mm -hmm. yes, say yes to all the sub opportunities, but should you be teaching five classes a day? Absolutely not. And even though you just, you can in the beginning, doesn't mean you that that's going to be sustainable over time. Mm-hmm. So perhaps setting a limit in that way, like, you know, I'll say yes to every sub opportunity I get, every teaching opportunity I get up to three or four classes, you know, even four is a lot. I teach one these days and I'm like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's <laughs> what happens when you get tired. But in the beginning, you know, you, you set those kind of reasons. I think there is a way to say yes. It's like a yes and, right? Yes. Yes and, but I, I have to be able to do this too. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I think that that's, that's a reasonable way of still saying yes. And then at a certain point, we have to also be doing the work. Right. Like the the other thing that that should always, always, always be priority is our own practice. And so if an opportunity comes up that conflicts with one's practice, that's a no, because your yes in that moment is yourself in your practice. And in that way, if you keep hitting the mat and you keep doing the work, then you'll also start to be strengthening your internal compass and your internal. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And over time, as these things start to come up, more opportunities, I think you just get better at slowing things down and starting to say, now am I saying yes because I'm excited and I'm passionate and it's, it's time for me to do this? Or am I saying yes because I don't want to be left out of this event? Or, or like you said before about um, taking some time off from your retreat, if I don't do this one, I'll never. No one will ever come again. Yeah. 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 If I don't get this one, there'll be nothing later. Yeah. And I, you know, I have to say, because I've had a couple incidences where like I had like a shoulder surgery, which put me out of work for three months and, you know, other, other incidences where I've had to like be out of work involuntarily and you're all like, no one's ever going to come back to your classes. And it's not true. You, you, you know, I can tell you firsthand, you always come back stronger and people are ready to have you back. So you know, I and I, I have to remind myself of that one. Yeah. Because then you come back rested and you're excited and you're ready and, and you're teaching from a different way. So yeah, I think it's okay to say no to things for a moment and, and take that rest you need. And then when you come back, when you're really ready, Oh, it's going to, I mean, talk about alignment, right? It's like you're, you're in it in a, in a much deeper way. Yeah. Yeah. People still stop me in the supermarket and ask me when I'm starting classes again. Like I haven't yeah. taught for, I don't know. Are nine you totally months. off group classes? Yeah. I was going to ask how long? Not like nine months. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, and not like, Oh, got it. Like we need you. Like that pester me. I love it. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the country. Um, <laughs> so amazing. I'm wondering, I, 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 speaking with a client this week and she um, incredibly successful in everything. She just quit her job only months ago and her yoga career is blossoming and she's being approached by opportunities and lots of really beautiful things are happening for her. She has one offering that she does once a month and she's loved it. Um, she's an outdoorsy sort of person. That's part of her brand. She's loved this particular offering, but the numbers have started to drop off and she's finding that the marketing has got heavy to fill this next two that are coming up in her summer. And so she was, we were talking about, well, maybe she'd cancel it because the numbers weren't really working and, um, and, and she had enough money in other things and she was excited about other projects anyway. And there was only one or two people signed up. And when we dug at it a bit more, the reason she was hesitant, the only reason she was hesitant to cancel it was because she would feel like she'd failed. Mm. Um, and so I think this is really interesting too, about what's the difference between failing? Like, is that a failure? Or is that simply changing your mind? And failure, failure according to who? And I think like you're saying before, when, when we've created a business out of a passion, there is a very tight connection between what am I about and what's important to me? And then how many people are in my workshop? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then what happens when not enough people come and what's the measure of, of this, how are you measuring your success? Right. Is it numbers? Is it? Yeah. 
Oh, it, it is. It's so deeply interconnected and, and starting to separate that. I mean, you know, what is failure? I think was such like you even asked that, like what, how, what even is failure? Because if she's going to learn from this lesson that like, okay, maybe in the future with this particular group and, and this, this particular event, I don't book three in advance. Maybe we do it again and we spread it out over, you know, a year or two years. Like then is that failure or is that a learning opportunity? Yes. And are people, I, you know, I, yes, Pete, it's like the people in the supermarket with you. Like, I think people can be disappointed when we don't do these things, but if ultimately we are taking care of ourselves and listening to our inner voice so that we can better serve for longer, then we have to just, you know, that's kind of their stuff that they're going to have to, you know, we, we can apologize and tell them we're sorry and things don't go as planned and, you know, they can come to the next one, but it's going to be a little bit further along than we first imagined and people get over it, you know? And I think it's really, it's like, if we're listening to ourselves and to what is most important to us, then I, I don't believe failure is possible. Like, I don't even know if failure really is a thing. Other than, other than perhaps being self-critical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I, I don't, yeah, definitely when it comes to um, deciding not to do something, as opposed to yeah. deciding to do something. That's, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's all, it's all learning. And I also think, I'm interested to know what you think about this too, Sarah, about Luke coming all the way back to where we started before about how as the teacher I have, there is a power differential and I am in a position of authority. There is something to be said for modelling to our students. Like, if, like you're, you're taking time out for your shoulder surgery and you're not coming back too soon. You're coming back when it's the right time. Like, or um, I, my, like my client, she actually realised the reason she doesn't want to teach these things is because they're inside and she wants to offer things that are outside over summer. So it's yeah. not filling up because she actually doesn't want to do it. And yeah. so it's modelling, um, this is what's true for me and this is how I take care of myself. And, and I think actually I could give a shit honestly about whether or not my students have their arms parallel to the floor in Warrior 2. Like ultim- I'm going to help them with that, but ultimately who gives a shit if in fact... When they show up to my class, they see someone who's got a business that she loves, who rests when she needs to, who can afford to eat food that supports her body and that likes to have fun instead of stress out. If I can model that, I think that's more powerful than, you know. 100%. I love, love, love that point. That's so important. Because, yeah, what are we teaching people if we're never taking, it's like, and, and the hypocrisy of it too, of like standing up at the top of the room and being like, you know, practice with compassion and like you have a back strain and you're demoing some crazy advanced yeah. shape. It's, it's, you're teaching people and, and it, like going back to, to like the students being disappointed. Cause I think that that's where the failure comes in. It's like, who oh. are you failing for? Right. Like, Personally, for me, it's always like my fear of letting, letting people down. So like, I feel like I'm failing in the eyes of other, but like you said, I love what you're saying. It's like, really, is that really how they're perceiving things? Like, yes, some students may be disappointed and maybe that's their attachment to that, to things needing to be a certain way because they had an expectation, but what's the greater lesson for them in that moment? Yeah. Like if you're teaching them how to take care of yourself and how to set proper boundaries for yourself and, you know, to, to not attach to these kind of things, then, then maybe that's the greater lesson. And, and in that way, it's, it's actually a really beautiful thing. I love that. That's a really good way of putting it. And in the process, we learn about ourselves, like that, that 
ongoing, that never ending revelation <laughs> that happens when you decide to be a yoga teacher. Yes. <laughs> Let alone when you decide to actually okay. make it your, your source of uh, uh, in the world. Yeah. Opportunities to learn. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> um, I'm conscious of time and I don't want to keep you longer than we have the good fortune to have you. Um, I want everybody to go follow you so that when you are offering amazing retreats and teacher trainings and things all over in the future, we can know about them immediately. What's your Instagram so we can follow you? So it's my name, um, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, E-Z, like zebra, R-I-N, at Yahoo. Oh, sorry, no, that's my email. <laughs> but you can email me too. Uh, Sarah Ezrin Yoga. Excellent. And um, on Instagram, yeah. Okay, cool. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can go find her. And if you're here watching us on the video, you can hit the button and we can connect you over there. Fantastic. Yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked you yet? Anything else? Any other sort of maha messages that you have to share with us before we finish up? I mean, I think it just comes down to if we are living from our heart, we're a success. And whatever that looks like, right? If that's like spending time with your fur baby or, you know, having great conversations with amazing, powerful women or teaching yoga or writing or being with your husband or, you know, or wife or, you know, stepping outside in nature, then we have to remember that, that really ultimately what success is, is it's making our heart happy. And so when we get caught up in those external measures to, to pull back a bit, to take a big breath and to really go back inside and, and ask ourselves, are we living from our heart right now? And if the answer is yes, because I'm sure it is for many of you, whether the numbers show it yet right now or not, then, then you're already there, you know, and everything else is just a bonus. I, I, appreciate that so much and I, if I may I do think that there is one tweak to it in a sense because of just the work that I do and what I see happen for people yeah. is they sometimes think it has to be one or the other where in fact you get to actually you get to live from your heart in abundance yeah. you can be joyful and prosperous you can serve and generate wealth like you can actually yeah. You don't have to choose one or the other. You can if you want. I love that. But you don't I have love to. that. And you can also be externally successful and, and still and still be fulfilled Deep on the inside, inside. Yes. right? Yes. It's just you know, it's just how you wanna how you whatever's going on outside, remember that that's ultimately not not the most important thing. It's what's happening within, like you said. It's it's from living abundantly from our heart. I've had so much fun in this interview. Thanks for being well, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'll thank let you get back to your you. afternoon. Thank you for being a great guest and sharing so much good stuff with us. Uh, it's, it's, look, I'm just going to go ponder for a while. <laughs> thank you, Amy. Thank you for all that you do, really, for our community and, and for the world. And you're just so empowering and amazing. And, and really, it's been an honor to be here. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Love Fest. Feeling inspired, ready to grow your own yoga business? If you're ready to share your yoga with the people who really need what you have to offer, growing your yoga business with more ease, flow, abundance, and support, check out my six-month yoga business training program, Growing Your Yoga Biz, at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash growing your yoga biz. Use coupon code bizofyoga when you check out for $500 off. 
Enrollments are open right now. Namaste.